You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Michigan State Spartans in Simon Scott Assembly Hall 82-75. This is a game that Indiana played without OG Ananobi, a game Indiana played without Juwan Morgan, and the Hoosiers still able to come away with a big win. Obviously, they jumped out to the big lead, led by as much as 20 in the second half, and Michigan State was able to whittle that down, but the Hoosiers made play after play down the stretch to get this win, and now the Hoosiers have won four out of five, sit sit at four and three, in the conference just a really really big win to continue the positive momentum uh that certainly began with that win against penn state i am jared morris your host on tonight's edition of the assembly call iu post game show i will be joined by andy bottoms ryan phillips is out tonight Uh, but andy is here and we are going to be your guides breaking down uh, this great win for the hoosiers and let's start as we always do with our hoosier proud banner moment and for the banner moment tonight you know, look, James Blackman Jr. scored a lot of points. Uh, what did he finish with tonight? 30, 33 points. So there's a lot of buckets that we could choose from, from Jimmy Buckets, who just continued the momentum from his big shot against Penn State. But I'm going to go to one of his final buckets for tonight's banner moment. It was 74 to 68 late. And again, Michigan State had come back and they kind of kept getting it to five to six right around there, but they could never quite get it past that. The possession before the one I'm about to tell you about, Thomas Bryant had backed his guy down and scored to put Indiana up 74-66. So Michigan State comes back and scores. Blackman, who had 29 points at the time, Everybody in the arena knew what Indiana wanted to do with the ball. They set a high screen to get Blackman the ball. Dan Dockich on the broadcast even said, you can't let James Blackman Jr. get the ball. So what does James Blackman Jr. do? He gets the ball. He drives to the lane and scores. Might have gotten fouled too, uh, but played through contact as we've been talking about. He's been doing such a better job of this year and scored. And that put Indiana up eight. Uh, was t- to me, you know, obviously Indiana then had to make their free throws, had to inbound the ball, but that was a huge shot because if Michigan State can get a stop there, go down and get it to maybe three or four points, it's a totally different ball game. But that shot by James Blackman Jr., just another example this year, he did it against Kansas. He did it against North Carolina. He did it against Penn State. In all of these big wins that Indiana has had, there have been late shots by James Blackman Jr. that have been huge, and he did it again tonight. And, of course, he had all those shots early that were big as well, which we will talk about uh, as we go through tonight's episode of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Tonight's Banner Moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That discount works for our Assembly Call logo T-shirts, which you can buy there, and everything else. 
that is there uh, at HoosierProud.com at their store. Again, that promo code is assembly to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy Bottoms, over to you for tonight's Bottoms Line, brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, there are probably a lot of places to go uh, that I could go with this. Uh, I'm going to stick with the junior guards. We've talked so much about how those guys had to be the ones that in crunch time really willed IU to win. And we talked about the great job that they did in that, you know, kind of dragging them across the finish line against Penn State in an emotional game. Uh, And they combined for 50 points tonight, two turnovers between them, I believe. Uh, and uh, and four rebounds apiece for James Blackman Jr. Robert Johnson. I thought those guys, whenever IU needed a timely bucket, they were the ones to get it. Um, I thought they both played. You know, Blackman had his issues on defense, but I thought there were times when he seemed more locked in on that end of the floor than uh, the normal. I thought Johnson played some really good defense as well, and uh, they both came up with some key shots and made free throws down the stretch. I, I just thought those guys, um, for all the you know we've wanted leadership and all those kinds of things, you know, maybe that if anything. Uh, is, you know, something that comes out of this OG injury, not necessarily that he was, you know, a vocal leader on the team by any means, but those, you know, those veteran guys become that much more important. And I thought tonight they really set the tone early uh, and really sustained it throughout both playing uh, at least 30 minutes and, and, you know, really trying to fight through because this team was pretty gassed. Uh, you could tell about midway through the second half in an emotional game. Uh, and again, I felt like those two were the ones that really, uh, really drug them across the finish line and uh, and played extremely well. So we'll, we'll get to all the other guys who contributed, which you can go down the roster and, and pretty much come up with uh, with key contributions that everybody made uh, in a game like this from from, you know, the first guy to the ninth guy that played tonight to the crowd to uh, everything else. It was a uh, it was a great team win. Uh, and certainly these guys should be really proud of that because from a talent perspective, uh, Michigan State's got a lot of it and uh, and could easily have, even though they were up 20, um, could easily have let it get away. And I thought you saw a little bit of some of the lessons they learned from the other night against Penn State. There was a lot more poise down the stretch, I felt like, in this game when the game got tight uh, than, than we saw the other night. So, you know, maybe some uh, some good growth came out of that game as well, but just a, a fantastic win for these guys and uh, and the junior guards in particular. Yeah, I mean, Tom Crane said in the pregame, you know, look, we just need to cut harder. And and he said, you know, a lot of the guys who were taking the ball out at Penn State didn't have experience doing that. He said, we got that fixed. And tonight it showed, you know, Josh Newkirk was the guy that they chose to take the ball out. Um, did a nice job doing it. I thought you saw Robert Johnson there on that very last possession, how hard he cut to get open. Just one of those subtle plays that, is, that makes the winning difference. And let's, Andy, look, there's tons of stuff to talk about. You know, Zach McRoberts, some of the big plays Thomas Bryant made down the stretch. But I want to linger on the junior guards for a little bit because they were terrific and not just at the end of the game. But I thought, again, we're going to talk about the tone Zach McRoberts set, but I thought the shot making by James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson early in the game to give Indiana a cushion, to give Indiana a little bit of a boost was huge because, look, you're out OG. You're down OG. You're down Juwan Morgan. You know, as confident as as the Indiana players are, you know, you've still got a lot of young guys that had to be wondering a little bit, crap, Michigan State's coming in. They're good. We don't have these guys. We've been struggling a little bit. Even though you're at home, you know, I, 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 I would not be surprised if those guys are still questioning things a little bit. But for your leaders, your big play guys to come out, make those shots, I thought it allowed everybody else to play just a little bit more relaxed and a little more comfortable because Indiana played a little bit tight there. You know, they were down eight, six uh, at the first media timeout. 
And that's when Blackman and Johnson just went off. Blackman hit his first three threes. Johnson made one in there. And I just thought that, in addition to the hustle plays McRoberts was making, set a huge tone for Indiana that carried them all the way through to the end of this game. And that's what leaders have to do. That's what your best players have to do. And James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson were exactly that. And I think that's going to be a theme for the rest of the season. When those two guys play like all Big Ten guards, and that's what, I mean, James Blackman Jr. played like an All-American today. But when those two guys play like that, Indiana's going to have a chance in any game, and they did, and they showed their importance. Yeah, I think it uh, it, it really you, you take some guys out of the equation, and the contributions of the guys that you, you feel like you know you can count on just become magnified, and they have uh, not not shrunk from that spotlight in these last couple games, and uh, it's going to continue to be there. I think it's uh, very much a case where you know Thomas Bryant had some good plays today, but was a little bit up and down. But the steadying force for these guys was was Robert and and James. And if they can continue to do that, you know, there's a lot of, been a lot of talk lately, just in college basketball in general, about the importance of having you know good guards. And it's been largely framed in the in the context of having you know two point guards and some of the things that you know Luke Wynn wrote talked about with Kansas and things like that. N- neither of these guys is a true point guard by any means, but um, I think when you look at them and just the importance of having really good guards. Um, college basketball has, has kind of always been that way to a certain extent, where if you really have guys that can control the game, um, get you buckets when you need it, uh, it, it can really carry you a long way. And I think they were able to hide some of the flaws tonight um, and, and overcome some of the, the issues that they, they had tonight and will continue to have um, that will be alleviated a bit when Juwan Morgan's in there. But um, you're going to have to keep scoring because you're going to have a hard time keeping people off the glass. Um, I'm surprised the numbers on the glass were as close as they were tonight. I thought those guys both tried to dig in there and do what they could to, to grab some boards. But yeah, I mean, this, this team's going to struggle from a size perspective without uh, OG for sure. And um, But I thought they, they both helped out in that regard as well. But uh, really strong performance from them. And, and yeah, I think it's a... Uh, you want to look at the barometer for this team going forward. It's going to be how many points those guys put up on a night in night out basis. No question. All right. Well, we got to get to the impact of Zach McRoberts because he was terrific tonight and we will do that in just a moment. But first I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place that I go when I'm looking for tickets to any sporting event or any concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make the experience better for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparisons for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And here's the thing. Listeners of the assembly call get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. The way that you get that is to follow this process. Download the SeatGeek app, or you can do it on your website too, but the app is free and it's great. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-A-B. My mic fell off. Can you hear me? Okay, good. (laughs) Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Uh, Enter the promo code assembly and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are breaking down Indiana's 82 to 75 victory over the Michigan State Spartans. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Uh, And Andy, let's talk about... Zach McRoberts, Um, because I think, look, Zach McRoberts started this game. He started the second half. And to me, I think until further notice, Zach McRoberts needs to be starting because I think what he brings to Indiana is a consistency of effort 
and mentality, especially on the defensive end, that we have seen this team lack a little bit at the beginnings of games, especially. We've seen Indiana get off to kind of rough starts. And, you know, Zach McRoberts just goes out there and hustles. Like when I'm, I'm looking back at my game notes and my the first three notes on my sheet are all about McRoberts. 5-4 early. McRoberts hustles for a rebound, then saves it to Bryant out of bounds. Blackman scores. McRoberts forces a steal. McRoberts hustles for offensive rebound weak side. James Blackman Jr. gets a three. I mean, it was constant. He was just running himself into plays by hustling over and over again. He finishes the game with three points, three assists, five boards, three of them offensive, two steals, a block. And when he went out in the second half is when Michigan State really made their run. So, you know, again, I think he, he spent the whole the first 20 minutes without taking a shot. He only took one shot for the entire game. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I've ever seen a performance where someone impacted a game so much without taking a shot for 20 minutes as Zach McRoberts did during those first 20 minutes. And, you know, I mean, look, you can kind of joke around about how he's just, you know, he hustles and all this stuff. But I mean, he's also making smart basketball plays. And I think. That is on a team where there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of inconsistencies. I think this is why Tom Crean is starting him because he knows what he's going to get out of Zach McRoberts. And in a lot of ways, it's exactly what this team has needed at the start of games. Yeah, I thought his his hustle really set the tone for everybody. I think you start to see other guys make similar plays just because they're you know watching him do it and throw himself around. And and I yeah, those same plays that you noted. I mean, he's creating scoring opportunities for this team that wouldn't otherwise be there. I mean, that's why, you know, offensive rebounding rate is is something that people look at and is so important. It, it's just creating uh, additional possessions and, and his ability to do that uh, early on led to led to those baskets that you talked about. I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, he he in 20 minutes, again, plus minus people have it has its flaws, it certainly has its flaws. When you look at it over a, a half of basketball. I mean, they were plus 17 when he was on the court in the, in the first half. And I'll be curious to see you know how different that was in the second half, but um, there's times when that stat you look at it and it matches exactly what your eyes see, and there's times that it doesn't. This was certainly the former where um, you watched him on the court. They were better when he was on the court, and uh, he made other guys around him better simply by hustling, being in the right spot, being in good health defense position, um, all the kinds of things that we talked about with Colin Hartman a few years ago. Um, so you know, I don't know what the uh, you know. Zach, you know, Zach McRoberts things feels like maybe a little bit lengthy, but uh, could could be it could be a thing. Uh, there were some options thrown around for uh, for potential nicknames. I went with the Zach attack as a Save by the Bell uh, type tribute. So I think, you know, we can we can workshop ideas for that. But he was uh, he was fantastic. And there's nobody that deserved for that three pointer to go in uh, more than he did when he took it. And really, the other thing about the first half, you said he didn't take a shot. And that's true. I don't really feel like there was maybe one time where I felt like he passed up a chance to look at the basket, but otherwise, um, you know, didn't feel like he was just passing up shots for the sake of not taking them. Um, and so I thought, you know, we stepped into that three uh, in the second half and made it. And you just couldn't be happier for that kid who has uh, really earned the minutes that he's gotten and and will certainly earn uh, some treatment after the game today, I'm sure. But uh, but certainly earn some more minutes in the in the next game out on Thursday. Yeah, Zach McRoberts things does seem like way too much to uh, to type. But any Saved by the Bell reference, I'm in for. So if we want to go right. Zach attack, I'm cool with that. All right, good, good. <laughs> totally cool with that. Uh, let's start. Let's as long talk as that can be my lasting contribution to the show is throwing that out. That's really all I've ever wanted. 
<laughs> uh, Andy, let's talk about the day for Thomas Bryant, um, because I thought he came out at the start of the game and was really, really aggressive, uh, not particularly effective. You know, I thought he forced a few shots, but he was I think he used five of Indiana's first seven possessions. Uh, two of those were turnovers. He was one for three early, but, you know, clearly very aggressive. And then I thought he looked a little disengaged to me for the rest of the first half. I, you know, I, I don't know, just one of those little things, just kind of trying to judge the body language. But something felt a little off to me uh, about him. But then I thought in the second half, especially the second part of the second half, after Michigan State had made their run a little bit, I thought he made some really, really important plays, without which Indiana may well not win this game. There was one sequence. Michigan State got it down to 63-56, right after Dockage clairvoyantly predicted that three-pointer that they hit. Uh, and then Bryant goes down gets an offensive rebound, makes one free throw, and then on the other end took that charge that looked like a really painful charge. And that was that was a huge sequence of plays right there for Bryant to kind of stem the tide of momentum that might have started to build for Michigan State. And then I mentioned the play earlier where, again, it's 72-66, and Indiana's offense has really stalled. You know, and part of that was clearly trying to shorten the game a little bit. And I thought, you know, Michigan State extended their D and made it, they made Indiana uncomfortable, which is exactly what Indiana did to them in the first half. And I thought that possession, we saw, you know, just badass, this is why I'm here, Thomas Bryant from the Kentucky game, say, I'm going to get the ball and I'm scoring a bucket. And he just backed him down, scored, put Indiana up 74-66. And it was either the next possession or the possession after that that he tried to do it again and maybe forced that shot a little bit. Um, but it was still nice to see that mentality of his, you know, where, hey, his team needs a bucket. He's going to go get it. And, and him being able to make that was huge. And, and so and then, of course, he made the two big free throws late. So it was an uneven performance for Thomas, you know, 11.6 boards, um, you know, had had those two turnovers early to his credit, didn't turn it over anymore after that. Only four of 11, you know, shot hunted a couple of threes, you know, a few times, but he's been shooting over 40 percent. So I don't have a huge problem with that. So he did enough today to help Indiana win. You know, it wasn't on the level of Blackman and Johnson. It wasn't one of his better performances. But to his credit, despite some struggles, made some big plays late that Indiana needed to pull this one out. Yeah, I thought for as bad is probably too strong a word, but he had one sequence that ended in him, you know, kind of hunting a three and, and taking it, I think right before a TV timeout that he eventually went out for, for, for as poor as that sequence was in terms of what he can really bring to the team, the sequence that you talked about and just how he played in general late in the game, came up with a couple of bigger rebounds. Um, you know, one certainly on the defensive end, right? was struggling to get those uh, at all. And, and, and that basket. And it was interesting to me that Michigan state didn't, didn't run some guys at him in the post. They seemed content uh, to play him one-on-one -on -one inside, which gave him, you know, one of the things we talked about with him this year is, you know, sometimes he's a little slow in, in making a decision to figure out what he's going to do. That actually kind of allowed him to do that. And even on that play that he scored on that you were talking about, you know, really was able to take a couple dribbles inside, um, you know, turned to the shoulder he wanted to and, and made a nice shot. So um, I, I thought he was was really good in, in spurts. I think when he was good, he was really good. And when he wasn't, then it was um, it was a pretty wide range of play for him. And I think, again, we kind of look at, you know, all these injuries are going to mean to him. He's going to have to try to find a way to sustain himself through playing some pretty big minutes at this point. And there were been a couple of times these last couple of games where he's just like gone all out and really really needed to come out of the game um, from just, you know, wearing himself down to a certain extent. So he's got to figure out how to kind of pace himself to a certain extent. I'm not sure that's something that he's going to be uh, e easily able to do. But as you start looking at, you know, the burden on him from a minute standpoint inside and certainly from a rebound rebounding standpoint inside, um, 
are going to be pretty big uh, going forward. So I thought he he dealt with that okay at times and struggled at times, but uh, but overall, um, you know, gave him what what I needed when they needed it. So let's talk about numbers real quick, Andy, because, you know, in a lot of ways, it was a tale of two halves for Indiana. When you look at some of the numbers, they held Michigan State to 0.92 points per possession in the first half. Michigan State only scored 30 points. The Spartans end up scoring 45 points in the second half, and they finished the game 1.19 points per possession. And obviously, you know, we saw a lot of lobs to Miles Bridges. A big part of that was that Michigan State did a much better job on the offensive glass. So when we came on here at halftime, Indiana was rebounding 75% of Michigan State's misses, which is a great number, especially against a team like Michigan State. And Indiana was up around, I think, 45% on the offensive glass. So Indiana, you know, almost inexplicably without OG and Jawan, dominated Michigan State in the first half on the glass. And I even said on, on the halftime report that we do on Facebook Live, don't expect the, the, the rebounding dominance to continue. There's just no way that's going to happen. And it didn't. You know, Michigan State ended up uh, uh, winning both of them for the game. They rebounded 40% of their misses uh, and rebounded 62% of Indiana's misses. So they really, really kept Indiana off the glass, except for a few of those big rebounds that Indiana got late. So that advantage went to Michigan State in the second half. You know, I thought their movement offensively was better. But the number that actually improved in the second half, and ultimately you can point to this as the reason why Indiana won this game, Indiana's turnover rate for the game, 14.4%. That I'm almost certain that's the best that we've had all year. It's definitely the best that we've had in a game against a good team. Um, just phenomenal job with the turnover percentage. It was at 15% in the first half. And we saw in the Penn State game, Indiana have a really good turnover rate in the first half. And then it you know, just went back up to like 30% in the second half. Today, they kept it down. And Michigan State is a team that likes to get out in transition. You know, They can turn turnovers into points. Uh, and Indiana did not give them those opportunities. So I know the offense late was a little bit frustrating. It got a little bit stagnant. But Indiana protected the ball. They didn't turn it over. And I don't know what the what was the final number on turnovers. Indiana had nine turnovers for the game. So if Indiana is up at where they normally are, 13, 14, 15 turnovers, you know, Michigan State can turn those into seven points. You got a tie ball game here. And I think it's safe to say they probably could. So, you know, you look at everything that happened today. And I think that number is such a huge number for Indiana. And maybe that becomes now part of the formula for winning when you're a little bit undermanned is to protect some of those possessions, get into a little bit more of a half-court game, or not even just a half-court game, but just playing a little bit more under control. And that was really big for Indiana today to, to pull out this win. Yeah, both those numbers are interesting when you look at um, start looking at points off turnovers and second chance points. So Michigan State had 12 turnovers, which turned into 23 points for IU. So Jeez. almost two for every turnover versus the nine for IU turned into only 11 uh, points off for uh, for Michigan State. And as you said, you know, IU did a really good job protecting the ball in the second half. Um, I think from a fatigue standpoint, we saw them do a little bit of what they ended up having to do uh, against Penn State, where they really tried to hold the ball and have some longer possessions. Um, there were a couple where Blackman kind of bailed them out at the end of those and a couple that didn't end uh, with great shots. But, uh, you know, I, I think to a certain extent, they're going to have to modify the way that they play. They can't, you know, had they kind of kept up the pace they did in the first half. I'm not sure they would have been able to. Uh, you know, sustain it both from a, uh, you know, fatigue standpoint, foul standpoint, all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, as you said, second half, Michigan State had nine, uh, nine offensive rebounds, 18 second chance points in the second half. So that was that was pretty big. And it was one of those where I, I tweeted this out at some point. It's like it, this is clearly an issue for IU. But given the personnel that is actually available to Tom Green, I don't really know what you could have done um, any differently. You certainly 
um, you know, would have struggled to play Bryant and Davis together very much, which I think happened very sparingly in this game because then one of them has to try to guard Miles Bridges. Uh, and you saw late when, you know, Davis got switched on to the point guard two possessions in a row. Um, that was uh, that was problematic with, with him and certainly would have been with Bridges. So don't really know what you do when you've got, you know, McRoberts and, and Johnson trying to fight in there as best they can at, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe 6'6", six, six for, for McRoberts. And um, so that was a struggle. And I think that, you know, you're going to get into a lot more of, you know, fundamental blockouts and those kinds of things. Sound like they had signs up about two-handed rebounds and uh, and all that stuff. But they, they, they kind of just had to fight for whatever they could get down there. But it was certainly a problem and, and could be one uh, for the extent of the time that uh, Juwan Morgan's out, but I don't really know. It's one of those where this was clearly an area where I struggled, but uh, you know, hard to play, you know, armchair coach and say, "Hey, you should have done this differently." When it's like, I really, I really don't know who you could have, uh, who you could have yanked out there and and had them help uh, stem the tide a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to talk about the bench, and I do want to talk about the Juwan Morgan injury a little bit because just the way that it was kind of reported and talked about today confused me a little bit. Um, and so I want to get into that, and we will get into that all here in just a moment. Uh, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership if you haven't done it yet. There are three reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. So go to assemblycall.com/join. It'll take you 15 seconds. You can do it on your mobile device. Uh, and the second reason is that it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you'll receive our weekly Six Banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundups. Uh, our intern, Josh Margulis, wrote this week. So he did a phenomenal job with it. You want to be getting that every week. And you also get our detailed post-game analysis emails that come out the morning after every IU game. And number three, it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat, which is going on right now and our moderated discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, then becoming a member is the next logical step, and you can join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to this victorious episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show as your Indiana Hoosiers defeated the Michigan State Spartans today, 82-75. to I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms breaking this game down. And Andy, let's talk about the bench because on our radio show, you know, you you went with the bench for your bold prediction. You thought the bench would have a big game, uh, especially from a scoring perspective. And I was actually surprised at how little the bench played today. Um, you know, Devontae Green did get 17 minutes and played a lot of crunch time minutes. And I thought played well, especially defensively. You know, he and Zach McRoberts in a lot of ways are tone setters for this team defensively. And there was a play toward the end of the first half. I think it was Michigan State's second to last possession where it was either Harris or Nairn, one of those two guys, you know, had the ball out dribbling on the right wing, uh, you know, maybe about five feet behind the three-point line. And Devontae Green had extended the defense out to him and actually was out there, got a deflection. It got Michigan State totally out of sync. And so whoever it was, Nairn or whoever, he starts, you know, hurrying. He throws a quick pass to uh, McQuaid, and then McQuaid ends up throwing the ball out of bounds. And it was just because of Devontae Green's pressure on the ball, he got Michigan State hurried up, and that caused a turnover, which was a big play uh, at that time to keep some of that momentum Momentum at the end of the first half. And so, you know, of all the bench guys, he have, he played the most minutes, had the biggest contribution. I was surprised that Deron Davis only got 12 minutes, especially considering the fact that Thomas Bryant, you know, had some foul trouble today, uh, had four points, only had one rebound, had a block shot. Curtis Jones only played seven minutes, uh, did have three rebounds when he was in there, but was a non-factor. And then Freddie McSwain only played five minutes. But I tell you what, once again from Freddie, we saw, you know, what he does well, you know, a baseline cut, uh, an offensive rebound for a bucket. We also saw what Freddie needs to not do that one position when he was dribbling a little bit too much and ended up turning it over. Uh, but some good contributions from Freddie with those two offensive rebounds. So an uneven day from the bench, 
but I thought the contributions that Indiana got from Devonte and Freddie McSwain in particular uh, were pretty important today. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I thought Devonte was really good. I know exactly the possession you were talking about at the end of the half, where he was just disruptive. And and we talk a lot about how to make the other team uncomfortable. He seems to make other other ball handlers uncomfortable, and is not afraid to to set the tone. Had that great steal and and pass to uh, Deron Davis for for a big basket. That pass uh, was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know how he's going to get around this guy, but he managed to. So yeah, I thought the one to Bryant the other night was really good. This one might have been better. Um, but yeah, just just made smart plays, and I think he's. He seems to be in large part, you know, kind of figuring out how to keep himself under control. He was another guy who had a really big basket uh, when IU was struggling, had a, you know, driving through the lane, banked it off the glass. Um, that was a, you know, he was one of the only, one of the only big baskets that wasn't made by, uh, you know, Johnson and Blackman uh, w- was that one right there. And I thought he and played. To, to underscore that one, it was 69 65 at the time. That was, yeah. Michigan State got it closest right there. And that was a huge play by Green. Yeah. Yeah, he uh so I thought he had some big minutes. I think we're continuing to see like he seems like the one that that Crean's starting to trust the most. Plus, I think when you you start looking at if these guys are playing more at the expense of a Josh Newkirk in a, in a more of a point guard capacity, that's really in Green's wheelhouse more so than um what you'd say about Curtis Jones. So I I think he continues to earn minutes and play well. Um the moment certainly did not seem too big for him and uh, and protected the ball well. Didn't have a turnover uh, in the game and and uh, and did a little bit of everything. You know, I think had a rebound, a block, a steal, uh, and, uh, and and played really well. So thought he was good. Um, Duran, I think it was a, a largely a factor of IU couldn't really figure out a way to play he and Bryant together in this game. Uh, I just don't think the matchups allowed for it, quite frankly. And so I'm not stunned to see that they really probably were on the floor together. If I'm looking at this, Bryant, I'm, the box where I'm showing show, he shows he played 29 minutes. Davis played 12. Um, so maybe there was a minute of time when those two were on the floor together. But otherwise, I think it was a, you know, one was in, one was out type scenario. But he had some moments uh, and I thought did, uh, you know, did some good things. Did have a couple turnovers, um, one of which on, a, on an offensive foul that probably could have been uh, could have been avoided. But I thought he did. He did pretty well and, and made a couple of nice defensive plays where um, has has a good. IQ in terms of when to to step over really closed off a, a lane uh, and another thing that he did really well I think this was toward the end of the first half um, which I think is something that is uh, probably can't be understated for a freshman really knew the scouting report on Nick Ward made him you know took away the shoulder that he wanted to turn over and forced a really bad shot from him uh, and a contested shot that ended in I think I ended up getting a bucket right after that so um, just little things like that continued to impress me with him and, and McSwain like you said um, you know, I think I right before the the putback dunk, I tweeted something out about that's not what we need from you, Freddie. And then immediately he did exactly what we do need from him right. um, with that with that putback dunk. And and I think that was good. And the and the cut he made on the baseline. I mean, those are the kinds of things where he can come in for, you know, played five minutes today, maybe six eight minutes, and make those kinds of hustle plays and and play some solid defense. I think that becomes important. And um, certainly w- was wondering if he would get some chance to play toward the end of the game, just from a, a rebounding perspective. But um, I thought he continued to do well. And Curtis had three rebounds in, uh, in just seven minutes. So, you know, made some good contributions from him himself as well. Took one shot. I think kind of got caught up in everybody shooting threes at a certain point, but uh, thought those guys did well. I came up a little bit short on my bold prediction. I think I said 15 points. They had 13. So another, another close loss, but I'll, uh, I'll take it in a, in a game like this where IU played so well and, uh, and had a big win. Cause I think those guys were a big part of it, but like you, a um, little bit surprised in retrospect to look back and see uh, how little they actually played. But, uh, it, you know, I think Crean really tried to, to ride with the guys who who had it going. And the starters, for the most part, played really well together as a unit. Yeah, I mean, five Hoosiers played 29 or more minutes, uh, which is which is crazy. You know, and Brian makes a good point in our chat. A shortened bench is a better bench. Fatigue and issue 
Um, but, you know, players get into a flow and they just played, you know, without kind of hockey subs interrupting the flow. And I think there is something to that. Uh, you know, obviously you want a bench that you can count on and that you can go to, but you also have to let your best players get into a flow and play. And, and Tom Crean did that today. And I thought the way that he deployed the bench, the substitutions that he made, you know, I think he has struggled a little bit, especially at the start of Big Ten play with some of those decisions. But maybe and again, maybe this is part of it, him being forced, you know, to have fewer options might be a good thing for him. Um, you know, it's never a good thing to not have two of your best players, but at least in this kind of one game scenario, you know, it might have helped, uh, you know, make those decisions easier for him. Uh, you know, the Juwan Morgan injury thing is interesting to me because, you know, Crean said on his, his pregame show with Fish that, you know, unless something changes here, uh, you know, with the doctors, he's going to be unable to go. But he warmed up and then Molly McGrath on ESPN said that, you know, he said he was going to try and play not in pain. So, you know, if he's not in pain and he's going through warmups and the doctors say that he's cleared, it's it, it's just, it's kind of a strange injury. So maybe what the thinking was is just, you know, let's try, if at all possible, to not play him, give him another few days to get totally healthy, knowing that he's been a guy who has been injury prone. And let's not rush him back because obviously with OG out, Juwan's more Juwan Morgan's importance becomes that you know, even more important. So it was just a little bit odd with, you know, some of the differing stories that came out. Um, but I certainly think if that was the thinking, as, as you, you and I talked about on the radio show, Andy, you know, it's a little scary to now to, to now have to count so much on Juwan, not because he's not a, a, a really good player who can't do it, but just because of that injury factor. And so, you know, for Indiana to go get this win today, give him, you know, these extra three, four days to get healthy. That's, that's really nice uh, to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that was the one thing I thought of was, you know, obviously we don't know his health, but it, all that being said, um, with not playing until Thursday, you're really able to give him almost another week um, to get treatment, to to rest, and also to get back into the, the flow of practice because it didn't sound like, uh, regardless of uh, how good it might have felt, didn't sound like he'd been able to practice much, if at all. Um, so also kind of putting him in a little bit of a tough spot. But uh, yeah, my guess is that it was a you know, in case of emergency break glass type scenario where uh, guys get in foul trouble, all of a sudden you need to find a way to, to you know, steal some minutes with him. Um, probably could have done that. But yeah, I, I like that. Uh, obviously, easy to say in retrospect, but I like the fact that they're able to give him this extra rest and hopefully uh, hopefully get him, him healed up. And I think a good thing for IU to be able to um, now have a little bit longer between games to, you know, rest up after what was a pretty physical game today in which, as you said, a lot of guys played a ton of minutes. Hey, what'd you think of Newkirk's play today? I mean, he ended up playing 32 minutes, had five assists, um, you know, so by far the most assists on the team, had a couple of offensive boards, uh, you know, scored five points, was two of nine from the field. You know, I thought, and, and a few of those shots, he had to kind of take late in the shot clock. So that's not maybe a totally accurate um, reflection of his shot selection. Uh, and, and had one drive in the first half that was great. I mean, it looked really Yogi-esque, actually, the way he shook his man and drove down the lane and scored. Um, but I, I don't know, I, like I got the sense that he was... I felt like he was shooting more actually than he even was because um, I was corrected in the second half when I, when I sent out a tweet about that. Um, so I thought he did some good things, but I thought there were also a few possessions where he tried to maybe do uh, a little bit too much to his credit, kind of backed off some late in the second half, um, but still, you know, kind of an uneven performance. But as I think back about it, maybe better uh, in totality and what he produced than I thought it was while watching it live, unless you disagree. Andy. Uh, well, we'll get Andy back in here uh, when we can. So let's keep breaking down this game uh, in terms of what happened. 
Uh, and, you know, I think with Newkirk, you know, there was especially a possession late there with Newkirk where, you know, Blackman gets has the ball. I'm trying to remember what the score was when this happened. Uh, Blackman had the ball. It was 76 to 70. And so, you know, Blackman has it. He ends up giving the ball up to Newkirk uh, in the corner with about 30 se- with about three seconds left on the shot clock. And Newkirk really didn't have anything that he could do with it. So, you know, clearly there, not a bad shot attempt by Newkirk because he had to take that shot. Um, but in that situation, you know, look, it's hard to find reasons to criticize James Blackman Jr. on a day when he scores 33 points. But in a situation like that, I would like to see him keep that ball you know, shoot that ball, try to find a way, any way that he can to just make a play. Um, and, you know, but unfortunately he wasn't able to do that there. But fortunately uh, for Indiana, uh, it was okay. And they were they were able to get that win as it was. So again, you know, Indiana wins 82 to 75 today over Michigan State. Um, and, and I think the importance of this victory can't be understated. You know, it's almost... So, you know, you think about it and Indiana's won four out of five and given some of the negativity that was swirling around the program and given some of the pessimism, especially in the wake of that OG and Anobi um, uh, injury, um, you know, with, with all of that negativity to get this win, to get to four out of five is just an absolutely huge uh, okay, so Andy said his internet went out. He'll be back. Uh, that's just huge for, for Indiana for this program to build some momentum. Because I know, you know, I even felt it a little bit before that Penn State game, which is part of the reason why I was so pessimistic heading into that game. You know, it's like, all right, how is how is this team going to kind of pull itself out of this, you know, get some wins to get back going? But now, you know, you were sitting there at two and three, facing a road trip to Penn State, a home against Michigan State, two games that you could very easily lose, and then be sitting there at two and five and be buried, or just split them, you know, and and still not be in a great position. But now to win both of these, especially with all the turmoil that Indiana has been through, and now to be sitting there at four and three, you're in this, and you know maybe you can't get back into. Uh, into the to the upper echelon of the Big Ten, and maybe you don't end up competing for you know going down the stretch competing for a Big Ten title, but you're gonna you're back up there where you need to be in the upper half. And Indiana now just needs to start stringing together some wins and get itself back into a good NCAA tournament position because you know one of the things that's going to be interesting now is as we get into bubble talk and 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 we start looking at Indiana's NCAA tournament resume is you're now without one of your best players, OG Ananobi, right? A potential lottery pick. And so Indiana is going to be judged as an NCAA tournament team based on how they are without OG. So obviously getting this win over Michigan State without OG uh, is is very important uh, for Indiana to be able to do. So the committee can say, okay, well, they beat Michigan State. We'll see who else you know Indiana can beat without OG. Um, but it, you know, it, it impacts the the weight of the North Carolina game and the weight of that Kansas game as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, so with the committee maybe thinking, well, they don't have OG, they needed him for both of those games. So Indiana now just needs to get wins. And obviously Thursday night at Michigan is going to be another big opportunity. And, you know, Indiana for as much as they've struggled against Michigan state in Tom Crean's era, they have really played well against Michigan for whatever reason. Uh, Tom Crean has really been able to game plan well against Michigan. His teams have played well against Michigan. We obviously remember the game last year where Indiana went on the 28 to run. We all remember the game in 2013 when Indiana went up to Michigan and was able to get that big victory. So, you know, going up there is not, has not necessarily been a terrifying place for Indiana to play. And it's going to be an interesting 
game between two teams that are really good offensively, not very good defensively. Um, and so, you know, Indiana, if they have Juwan Morgan back for that game, would obviously be a huge, huge shot in the arm uh, for this program uh, as we uh, as, as they need to get that win to keep going in the Big Ten. All right. Well, we are going to get to our last call uh, here in just a second and get Andy's thoughts on that Michigan game. Uh, and we will do that on the last call, which is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington. Uh, as I was telling you about in the last episode, Yogi's was my favorite uh, and most frequent bar when I lived in Bloomington. We actually had a house about uh, four blocks south. Uh, and so we went to Yogi's all the time. And so it's really, really cool. It was really cool. We were there for our meetup uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they asked if they could show the assembly call live at the bar after the games. And we were like, of course, that would be great. And the other great thing is they are offering a food discount to assembly call listeners during IU games, both home and road games. So the Thursday game coming up against Michigan. All you have to do is go to Yogi's during any IU game, tell them the guys from the assembly call sent you, and you will get 10% off your food. Now, again, it has to be during the game, but any game will work. And then stick around after, have a drink, and catch the assembly call live right there at the bar uh, after you watch the game. Again, that's 10% off your food at Yogi's during IU games. Just tell them the assembly call sent you. All righty. Well, you are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. We are talking about IU's 82 to 75 victory over Michigan State today. I'm Jared Morris uh, here with Andy Bottoms, if Andy is back with us. Uh, and, uh, and so we're going to look ahead to that Michigan game, give you our last call here in just a second. Andy, before we do that, uh, any other lingering thoughts about today's win over Michigan state that you wanted to get to? Yeah. The, the last thing I heard you say was uh, something about Newkirk. So I, I'll, I'll jump on him real quick. And if there's other things that you covered while during my brief hiatus, you can let me know if you need my, uh, my thoughts on those, but um, internet thought, issues, man, internet gremlins, yeah. they'll get you. Well, it wasn't even the gremlins. It was a five-year-old, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I, I think with with Newkirk though he he was pretty uneven to me. I actually feel like he's he's slowly creeping toward like Stan Robinson territory for me, where I feel like I'm like searching really hard to find the good things that he does. Um, I did think he had some really good defensive possessions today um, in key spots and really really made uh, you know forced Michigan State into some tough. Uh, certainly from his system, the shots that, that probably bothered me the most was when I started to get out to a lead and he took a couple threes. Um, as you mentioned, some of the shots that he took were late in the shot clock and you know somebody's got to shoot. Even that one possession toward the end, Blackman kind of gave him the ball and was like, here, you take it with you know three seconds left in the corner. I don't know what you're expecting him to do at that point. But um, I thought when he drove the ball, um, he seemed to have a purpose and was able to get to the rim and, and take some nice shots. I think the jumpers uh, were, were the ones that weren't good. And there was another possession in the first half where Cream you know, was telling him to shoot because he had a wide open shot and, and kind of passed it up, um, you know, dribbled into something else. And so I think that was, you know, an, an uneven performance for him. But I, I don't want to underscore the fact that that he did play well um, defensively at times and had some nice possessions. And, you know, for as well as we talked about the starters played, he's obviously a part of that. And, um, you know, thought he did some good things. Definitely wasn't his best game by any means, but wasn't uh, it wasn't a complete non-factor uh, either as far as that goes. Hey, a couple of interesting comments here coming out of the postgame press conference. So uh, several people uh, tweeted this, that Tom Crean said he wasn't he wasn't even sure if Curtis Jones was going to play. I guess Curtis was sick earlier today. So that certainly explains why Curtis only ended up getting seven minutes uh, if he was sick this morning. Uh, and, you know, interesting note from Crean on Zach McRoberts said that he started him. Remember when McRoberts started in one of those exhibition games against Hope College? And he said he started him to show him that he was important to this team. Uh, you know, obviously, Zach McRoberts came in kind of late as a walk on. And, you know, I think maybe we all kind of thought that was a little bit crazy. But obviously, that's that 
was a good move. And, and Zach McRoberts is clearly showing how important he is to this team uh, with the way that he played today. Um, and then Crean also says, hopefully we'll get Juwan Morgan back soon. By soon, I'm assuming that he means by Thursday. Given that Morgan warmed up today, I'd be really surprised if he is unable to go on Thursday. Um, and as we look ahead to that game, Andy, you know, as I was mentioning when you were gone, you know, Indiana's had a lot of trouble with Michigan State in the Tom Crean era, but Michigan feels like one of those teams that Indiana always plays well against at home, even on the road. Uh, you know, it just seems to be that 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 matchup with Beeline just seems to be a good one for Tom Crean. And if these two teams play to their character so far this year, uh, this might be a 120 to 115 game because neither team really likes playing a whole lot of defense and they're pretty good on offense. Yeah, Michigan now uh, in conference play dead last at 14th in uh, in defensive efficiency, and which in contrast to the last couple games where Penn State was number one going into that game and Michigan State was number one going into today. So, uh, you know, certainly a, a, some chance to relax. Michigan has somehow allowed their opponents to hit nearly 50% from three in conference play, which feels like something potentially due for regression, but uh, that's pretty, pretty, pretty ugly, I would say. Um, and so, you know, certainly some, some opportunities you'd like to think I use offense can keep rolling. It's the, you know, the league's best offense against the league's worst defense. You'd like to think they could score some points for sure. Um, and then, you know, Michigan, the second in offensive efficiency though. So they're going to, they're going to be able to put up some points for sure. And, uh, have a lot of different ball, ball handlers out there. The one thing they don't have, uh, is a ton of size, which actually is a, is a good thing for, I use current roster construction at this point with, um, you know, DJ Wilson and, and Mo. Mo Wagner, uh, the two like six ten guys that play, but they don't really play two bigs at the same time. And even Duncan Robinson at six eight kind of hangs out on the perimeter. So, in that regard, um, we're probably different to some of the rebounding issues that you saw today. Uh, not quite as much of a, a size disparity that could prove problematic for for IU in that case. So, should be a uh, should be a high scoring one. Um, probably would take the uh, take the over if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Interesting note, Eli Hoosier in our chat says, uh, not last March, talking about the Michigan loss in the Big Ten tournament. You can't well, I mean, if they let people adds. just take ridiculous travel, you know, take yeah. like eight steps and shuffle his feet in the corner, then, you know. Plus, that's the Big Ten all, all tournament. All bets are off at that point. Well, yeah, the Big Ten Any last-second shots against Indiana that can go in in the Big Ten tournament will go in in the Big Ten tournament. So we're, we're talking about True. regular season here because the Big Ten tournament is just a whole a whole other ball game. Um, okay, so last thing before we wrap up, Andy. I, I mean, obviously, everybody feels really good after this game. It's an 82-75 win, you know, a really big win. Uh, you know, it, it should be noted this is not maybe a vintage Michigan State team. Uh, you know, this may end up going down as one of the uh, one of the worst teams, actually, in, in Tom Izzo's time at Michigan State. You know, they're a young team and, and their experienced guys have been a little bit up and down. Um, but, you know, that notwithstanding, still a huge win for Indiana. You know, but I think when you look at the stat sheet, as good as the turnover numbers were, still, you know, a couple numbers that concern you. For instance, Indiana giving up 44% shooting uh, from three-point range to Michigan State. Uh, the Spartans winning the free throw battle. They took 25 free throws. Indiana took 16, and obviously a lot of those were late. Uh, so another game, at, like with the Penn State game, where an Indiana opponent is getting to the free throw line more. And, you know, those, those are a couple of things that can hurt Indiana and have hurt Indiana in losses. Is there anything else coming out of this game Again, lots to be happy about. Anything else that you're kind of concerned about coming out of this game uh, that Indiana especially needs to to improve upon in these next couple games? No, I, I really thought for the most part defensively they were uh, particularly early, really forcing Michigan shot Michigan State to take the shots that IU wanted them to take, as opposed to the other way around. Um, you know, Bridges is a guy. Look, he was shooting well from three point range, but I'd much rather force him to kind of beat you from deep than you know really get going off the dribble. And I think that same thing holds true with a lot of guys on their team, and and even after 
uh, today's game, they're still, you know, kind of middle of the pack in conference games in terms of three point shooting there. That, that performance today took them up to 37.4. So they were probably in the, let's say the 35% range. So to me, um, trying to get them to take, you know, more threes doesn't, doesn't necessarily bother me. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of making them, they were, they were hitting some tough shots. I felt like, um, I think the rebounding stuff is going to continue to be a concern when they play bigger teams. Um, because you know, Morgan coming back, uh, will certainly help that situation. But, uh, you know, and, and the other thing is not so much the actual, the number of free throws, but just fouls in general. Uh, I think you see where you just have so many fewer options, uh, today, Bryant kind of battled his way through and I, was lucky in some cases to not, um, really get anybody in a, in a, in a truly difficult foul situation, uh, you know, early in the second half or even, even late in the first with either, you know, Bryant going out, um, Deron Davis has fouled at a pretty high rate of late. So that's probably the thing that worries me more than sending them to the line. Um, they actually shot a decent amount better today from the line than I think they typically do. They've got a lot of, a lot of pretty poor free throw shooters on their team. But, um, I, I think the fouls that put them there uh, is what concerns me just because again, we talk about, you know, not having a lot of depth, uh, it might be helpful from a lineup standpoint, tightening up the rotation, uh, not helpful uh, in the in the chance that you get one of these games where the officials just decide to call everything. Yeah. So with that game today, Indiana actually dropped in their Ken Palm defensive rating all the way down to 101.2, which is 116th in the country, um, you know, because they did give up, what did I say, 1.19 uh, points per possession. Uh, but, uh, you know, like you, I thought in the first half, they were really good at making Michigan State uncomfortable. And then Michigan State got a little bit more comfortable there in the second half. Uh, in conference games only for Indiana, the Hoosiers are currently first offensively, uh, scoring 1.16 points per possession and 11th defensively, uh, giving up 1.09 points per possession. Uh, and then, you know, Indiana's still uh, the top offensive rebounding team. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, top offensive rebounding team in the conference and sixth nationally. And it'll be it, offensive rebounding has been a huge part of, of the reason why Indiana has compensated for its poor turnover rate. And so it'll be really interesting to see without OG Ananobi, you know, is Indiana as as dynamic of an offensive rebounding team? Clearly, they're not going to be without OG and Juwan uh, because Juwan's one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. So they need to get him back. But again, maybe part of that formula is, you know, playing a little bit more deliberate, a little bit smarter, reducing that turnover rate. Because, again, if you lose at all in the offensive rebounding and the turnover rate doesn't improve, you're going to be in some trouble. And today it did. And that's why Indiana was able to get this win. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to, I mean, as we talked about a little bit, I, th I think they're going to have to find a ways to to play a little bit differently um, than maybe they would like to or that they have thus far. And so um, if you end up having to trade some of the uh, offensive rebounds for turnovers, then I think so be it. Um, I do think Juwan Morgan helps that. He's He's been uh, typically a very good rebounder. So um, it, it could be somewhat of an anomaly of a, a Michigan State team that's got a lot of size and athleticism that was able to take advantage of that in the way that, you know, other teams may not. Um, but I think, you know, taking care of the basketball, if they can, if they can make that a more uh, stable part of what they're doing offensively, then I think it helps for sure to uh, compensate off of that and probably, probably ends up being a wash in the end. So we'll see if that becomes a, a pattern, hopefully, because really up until the last part of that Penn State game, I, you know, they did a good job taking care of the ball there as well. So um, I think a lot of positive things moving in that direction certainly can uh, be frustrating certainly still seem to kind of come in bunches but uh, I, I thought by and large they've done a better job of that and um, you, you know hopefully that's a, a function of of the way that they may have to play uh, here down the stretch because the margin for error is most definitely smaller than it was before yes yes it is by the way Indiana now in the top 300 in the country in turnover percentage at 292 
So progress. We're moving up. They said they said this day wouldn't come. What a time to be alive. <laughs> All right, Andy, you ready to deliver your yogi's last call? Absolutely. I you know, I, I think it was um for whatever reason, I, I I usually don't tweet out how I'm feeling about the game because it's usually wrong. Um, who does that? Who I know. Who I'm not like I know. I just try to I don't wanna I don't wanna get on your corner. You know, we all have our own, you know, we all have our own things that we do. I don't wanna infringe upon that. But I, I don't know, for some reason today it just kind of felt like this is a scenario that Tom Crean teams, that IU teams have uh and even even well before Crean, as I just think about all the you know games watched over the years, it's like kind of feel like a lot of things are going against you, but you get an assembly hall and things just start to go the right way. So I kind of had a feeling that would be the case. And um, I, I certainly um, take no credit for that feeling actually leading to anything good in the game, but it, it kind of played out that way to to a certain extent. The crowd was really, uh, really fired up and into the game. I think gave this team the lift that they were really going to need with the personnel uh, issues that they had. And, and the team really responded well to a difficult situation uh, as I think they did in the second half of the Penn State game. So uh, while we can you know, lament the way that things went in the second half of that game, then it got to where it did. Um, I felt like they built on that today. And I saw, I haven't seen a ton of quotes in the post game, but Robert Johnson, you know, alluded to, yeah, we handled that late game situation a lot better uh, tonight than we did the other day. So, um, you know, we talk about this all the time in losses. Sometimes you can talk about it in wins as well, where, Hey, things don't go well. Um, it's, it can still be okay if you learn something from it. And I thought that they did tonight because the level of poise that they, that they, uh, they showed down the stretch was was a great deal better than what we saw the other night at Penn State. And I think that was led by um, Johnson and Blackman to kind of bring this back full circle. You know, talk about leadership. We talk about so much is expected of these guys. The juniors have to be seniors. Uh, and they played like it tonight. And I think he got a great lift from uh, from Zach McRoberts. And, and as we talked about, I, I thought those three were really uh, as key to this performance as any. And, uh, and certainly earned a big victory. And hopefully uh, can get, you know, keep this uh, streaky good play going. I, I think... It'll be really nice for this team to have a few extra days off, given everything that they've had going uh, the last few uh, last couple weeks, and hopefully get a little be rested and be ready to uh, come out and play well on the road on Thursday night and keep it rolling. Absolutely, you know, Andy, I felt a lot like you did before this game. I know, you know, Heather asked me how I was feeling because she asked me how I was feeling before the Penn State game, and I didn't feel good at all. I mean, I thought we were going to lose that game. Um, and you know, she asked me how I was feeling today. I said I feel really good. I think we're going to play well, and it's you know for the same reason that you said. I mean, I. I wonder how many college basketball programs have had as many true program wins as this one has. And what I mean by a program win is when, you know, the team and the players and the fans and the building, like everything contributes to the victory. And we have seen so many of those, you know, in our time as IU fans. I mean, heck, you know, what other university has had a banner hung in honor of its fans like like was hung for that 1983 uh big 10 championship team it, it's not hanging anymore but it was uh and that's that's part of the pride of being an indiana basketball fan you know and, and the pride of those people who were in simon scott assembly hall today who helped this team you know i, I saw a couple you know uh, tweets that this was by far the best atmosphere since the north carolina game and that makes a big difference you know and when you don't have an ogn and obi and you don't have a juan morgan and then those guys have probably been feeling some pressure from fans cuz they read tweets and they see you know things that people say and obviously there's been some negativity over the last 6 7 weeks and if you listen to the assembly call iu post game show after the penn state game you heard us get a little bit preachy about you know kind of the role of fans and, and how we need to try and and find the reasons to be positive even when things are down. And I just, I felt today that this was going to be one of those program wins where everybody comes together and the players play well 
and the players and the fans feed off each other. And it's just the beautiful music that Indiana makes as a basketball program so often. And we saw that today uh, and it was a big seven point victory. And, you know, we've got to close by giving uh, one last bit of kudos, as you did, to James Blackman Jr., who was absolutely sensational today. 33 points uh, was just, you know, to start that game as unconscious as any Hoosier that you'll ever see, making his first six shots, hitting threes from all over the place. Michigan State knew where the ball was going. They couldn't stop it. He was marvelous. And he's done it all year in, in big games that Indiana has won. James Blackman Jr.'s fingerprints have been all over them. And if Indiana is going to continue this positive momentum now and keep winning and get back into the Big Ten race and make the NCAA tournament and make this a successful season, it will be because James Blackman Jr. has one of the great offensive seasons in IU history in Big Ten play. That's what it will take. And so far, so good, because that three he made against Penn State, his performance today against a tough defensive team, he's showing that he's up for it. And it's great to see because he's taken a lot of flack. He's taken a lot of criticism, deservedly so for the defense. But I think that has, at times, forced people to forget about just how magnificent he is on offense. Well, there was no denying it today. He was great. The Indiana team was great. The fans were great. This was a true program win. One of those days uh, when you're especially proud to be a Hoosier. We're always proud to be Hoosiers, but there are some days when you just feel it a little bit more and days like today, you definitely feel it. Thank you all very much for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We will be here Thursday night. That's a late start against Michigan. Uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central start. I believe that game is on ESPN or ESPN2. But we will be here for you afterwards to break it all down. Hopefully it's another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. Until then, have a great week. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.